again I say it's a privilege to be with you and even a greater privilege to be in God's presence. We know that whenever two or three come, God is in their midst. Amen. And we believe that promise. And uh, if you just think about it, God is here. That's the time to humble ourselves and worship Him. If you just think about what God has done for us, I cannot help but think again and again about that quotation from the Syrophages, where she says, For thee, the Son of Man, the Creator, the Most Holy One, came, and for thee, He died on the cross. Can you even grasp that? In eternity, we will not be able to even understand the drop of God's love. In eternity, we'll be amazed again and again and again. And uh, that's the reason Paul says, and to know, listen carefully, to know the love that surpasses any understanding. How can you know somebody something that surpasses understanding? It's impossible to know because it surpasses any type of understanding. Nevertheless, we are going to contemplate that type of love, the depth and the width of God's amazing love, amazing grace. And God in his love, he could have sent a million gifts, but he sent us Jesus and he sent us his spirit. And so I want to say as we start um, connecting a little to the nights before that the reason people today don't experience God's power is not because God has changed, is not because God doesn't love us or God doesn't have the power or God has arthritis or he is old. It's not because he's in vacation, it's not because we live different times and God doesn't care. God is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. The reason we don't experience that type of power and transformation and results is because we have become so different. I mean, we live in a very self-centered society and without realizing we in the church behave the same and it's all about me all we do not not you about me everybody about self you follow me okay <laughs> it's all about self and we don't realize we got so used to be selfish that we think is normal there is nothing wrong with it but jesus didn't come to serve self though he was god he came to serve others and God's children are called not to be blessed. Stop seeking a blessing. You'll never get one. They are called to be blessings. And to the degree that you bless others, only to that degree God can bless you. And so only when we start being about service, we start experiencing power. You understand the reason we don't have power today? And that's the reason God sent us Jesus, to teach us how to be like him, how to be restored back into God's image. And that's the reason God sent us the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, it is better for you if I go, because if I go, I'm going to send you the comforter. And he is going to lead you in all, how much means all? All, absolutely all, all areas, in all things. He will lead you in all things. And I remember specifically my father telling me again and again and again and again and again, unless you are led by the Spirit, you are led by Satan. He would say to me, there is no middle ground. 
well, daddy, I'm not listening to Satan, but I'm not led by the Spirit. I just lead myself. He said, well, that's Satan. <laughs> Think it. Whenever God doesn't lead you, doesn't matter who leads, Satan is happy. You vote with him. Grasp it. Huh. And so my father would say to me, you need to make absolutely sure that always you are filled with the Spirit. That means to walk with God. To be so filled with the Spirit that the Spirit leads you and controls you at any moment. That's the reason we sing, I need you every... You, you follow me? Every hour. I need you, I need you, I need you. Without you, separated from you, I am nothing. And in this regard, God gave us prayer and gave us the word. And we would do anything else but pray and study. And Satan knows, please don't get me wrong. We should eat healthy. Please, I heard people, oh, he's against healthy food. I'm not. You cook green beans and I promise I come. <laughs> if you put the green beans with garlic in the oven there is nothing better but it's not that I am against healthy food but Satan doesn't care if you eat healthy I mean so many people eat healthy and serve Satan Satan doesn't care even if you go to church but Satan does care when you pray remember the quotation when we pray Satan and his whole hosts Trumbles and run like crazy. Because that's when you connect with God. And that's what he's afraid of. And he would do anything to distract us from prayer and study. And Jesus could have told the disciples, make sure that you go to camp meeting. <laughs> you follow me? Make sure that you sing in the choir. Those are not bad things, don't get me wrong. But Jesus said to them, Jesus could have said, go and work, you know, the Great Commission, go and work. And we don't get even the Great Commission. Go from Jerusalem to Judea to Sar you, you remember? To the end of the world and preach the good news. But Jesus doesn't tell them that. The Great Commission, we just read the second part, we fail to read the first part. Jesus says, do not go. Stop working. You will never accomplish anything. You do evangelism, nothing happens. You do this, nothing happens. You do programs, nothing happens. There is no power in it. Do not go. Stop going. Stop making plans and strategies. Wait in the city and pray. You remember? He says, wait and pray. And they said, Lord, should we pray 10 days of prayer? Because we have a program, 10 days of prayer. Jesus says, wonderful, but now. Okay, Lord, maybe 40 days. We have another program. It's called 40 days of prayer. And that's good. But Jesus says, no. But look, how, how long should we pray? And Jesus says one word. Until. Until. Pray until. You know how long means until? Pray until you receive the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus says. Pray until. Pray, pray, pray. Do not stop. Pray, 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 pray. Until you receive the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus says beautifully, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you shall receive power. power. That's what we miss. We go to church and go home. No power. Because Jesus says, when the Spirit comes, power comes. So that tells me that if there is no power, there is no 
Whoa, pastor, be careful what you say. It's not that the Holy Spirit doesn't love you or me and doesn't try to work with us. But we have focused on anything but the Spirit. The disciples, when Jesus told them, when Jesus told them, imagine a hand of people scared to death, persecuted, followed by the Pharisees and Romans and so on and so forth. A hand of people, poor, no media, they had no Zoom. Yeah, they had no internet, they had no cars, they did have a car, you know, it says the Bible, they were all in one accord, they had the Honda. <laughs> <laughs> they had no cars, they had no internet, they had no money, they had no TV, they had nothing. And they were persecuted, and Jesus tells them, if Jesus came to a hand of you, to these two rows, to these two rows, if Jesus came to you and said, I want you to evangelize the whole U.S., what would you say? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people. What would you say if Jesus came to you five there? Or what would you say? I want you to evangelize the whole world. You say, what? <laughs> I mean, it would be difficult to evangelize one city. Am I right? It would be difficult to evangelize your neighborhood. Am I right? And Jesus told them, I want you, without money, persecuted, weak, they never went to Andrews or Loma Linda or Southern. And guess what? And Jesus, I want you. And, and those schools are good. Don't get me wrong. But whatever school you go, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you still do nothing. And Jesus says, uh, because the Bible is clear. It's not Zechariah chapter 4. It's not by. Nor by. But by my spirit alone, says the Lord. And so Jesus says to them, I want you to evangelize the world. You start from here and then... And they looked to each other and they said, what? Are you kidding? And because they knew, it's what we don't know. Because they knew they cannot, absolutely not, never in the world do it. That's the reason they humbled themselves and listened to Jesus and prayed in the upper room. And how long did they pray? Until... Well, my friend here said 10 days, but let me ask you a different question. If the Holy Spirit would have not come, do you think they would have prayed another day? Yes. Absolutely. They would have prayed how long? Until. Because Jesus told them, pray until. And when the Holy Spirit came, those, a hand of people, all of them went and they started to preach. And guess what the book of Acts says? They were speaking in... I remember one story. Uh, I was in Timisoara. It's one of the cities in Romania. And the pastor from Germany came to do evangelism right after revolution. Right after in Romania. And it was at the theater. But it was not a movie theater. It was like a art center. Like, like an opera. Like, you follow me? And, and we rented. All the pastors from that conference came to help. And we rented the whole theater. The whole, uh, the whole building. And people flooded. People came. And he did evangelism. And when he finished, he got in the bus. We didn't have cars, you know. He got in the bus to go to the hotel. And the bus was so crowded, it was like sardines in a can. Like, next to each other. If one turns, everybody has to turn, you know. And so, we were all crowded in the bus. And there are two ladies far there. And there are five, six people between us. And Helmut Mai right here. Anyway, with a brother from the union that was the translator. And me. And there were other people that came from the evangelism. Going to whatever, home, hotels, whatever. And those two ladies in 
far away, talk to each other. They are countryside ladies, you could see how they are dressed. And they say, we are so sorry we get, we got like halfway through the sermon because we didn't have transportation and we missed the first part. We are so sorry. And Helmut Meyer answers, they are talking Romanian. He answers in German. Well, we have tapes in that. You remember tapes? Uh, well, you must be old if you remember tapes. <laughs> but anyway, we have tapes. You can get a recording. And they answer in Romanian, wonderful, how much do they are? And he says, they'll be free. And they had a whole 10 minutes until we got to the hotel conversation. They were talking in Romanian, and he was answering in German. And so brother from the Union says, I didn't know that you understand Romanian. He says, no, they spoke perfect German. Isn't that beautiful? The disciples spoke in a way that everybody, several nations from Mesopotamia, from Greece, from Rome, from whatever, they would hear in their own mother tongue. Uh, I wish that happened when I came to this country, but anyway. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and, and so, not only the day, but, but they spoke simple, not complicated theology, simple sermons. And listen, Listen to Peter's sermon. I mean, simple and short. And he says, Jesus was Messiah and you crucified him and you should repent. <laughs> That's the sermon. That's pretty simple, isn't it? 5,000 baptized. Next day, 3,000 baptized. Next day, the church clerk, that's I'm improvising from my brain, the church clerk spent the whole night writing names, calling everybody, tell me your date of birth, your address. Okay, next. And after calling 300 people, the church clerk says, Whew, we need about 200 clerks, you know. <laughs> and then they got tired to keep track and do the manuals and the church books. And the, and the Bible just says simply, God added. You know what daily means? They had the baptism Sunday, 2,765. They had the baptism Monday, 4,236. Uh, they, I'm making numbers, you know. They had the baptism Tuesday, and they had the baptism Wednesday, and they had the baptism Thursday, and eventually they said, we need to stop because we need to change the water from the baptismal tank, or you need to put some bleach or something. I mean, that's a wonderful problem to have. Why? Why did they have so many baptisms? Why did they have miracles? Peter would walk and his shadow would go over sick people and sick people would be healed. Peter went to Tabitha and he didn't pull the best funeral sermon from his briefcase. He said, wake up. Bang. The stinky dead. Dead for a few days. Smelling dead. Got up. Why did those things happen? Because they prayed until they received the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit came, power came. And the Lenoi clearly says, based on the Bible verse that says, pray for the rain at the time. Pray for the latter rain at the time of the rain. You remember that verse? I have it here in the presentation later. Pray for the rain. She says, God Send them the Holy Spirit under the form of the early rain to help them do the ministry that they are called, do the work that they are called to. And she says, the same in the last generation. We need to pray for the Holy Spirit so God will send the latter rain so we could finish the work that God gave us. How can we finish the work? When the rain comes. And so why do we try to do the work without praying for the Spirit? It's like to do God's job in human power. That's impossible. You follow me? And so, 
Uh, I remember, simple example, simple example. I was in one of the churches in my first district in the US after I finished school. I was in my district somewhere in north. And good people, but there were only about 20 in the church in a good Sabbath. I remember one Sabbath during the winter, there were nine in the church, my family four and another five. That's very depressing to preach to your family and another five. I didn't even feel like preaching. And they, pastor, don't you preach? I said, nobody here. I, oh, we are not nobody, pastor. Oh. Five four ladies uh, dying there, you know, like 110 years old or something. And I love and respect them. But when you see the church empty, it's like depressing, you know. I felt like I am failing. And I go home and tell my wife, I am depressed. I am discouraged. I am preaching to the, to the chairs. And she says, why don't you pray for the chairs? I said, chairs don't transform, don't change. She says, no, but chairs can be filled. <laughs> so I called the ladies. One of them, 92 years old. The other one, 91. The other one, 88. I called. I said, would you be willing to pray so God would fill the chairs? And she said, absolutely, pastor. There is nothing else we can do anyway. <laughs> I said, okay, but what if other people from the church would start coming because they said, let's pray around 10 a.m. I said, no, because other people, if other people join us, they go to work at 7 a.m. So why don't we pray in the morning to create possibility for them to come? Because the Bible says that he awakens my ear every morning. That doesn't say every noon, you know. It's something about starting with God. It's like you want to charge your phone in the night. You don't go on an empty battery. The same spiritually. And so I told them, why don't we pray at 6 a.m., 6 to 6.30? And they said, okay, pastor, we don't sleep too much anyway. <laughs> I wish I said that, but I didn't. And so I want you to hear now. It was minus 30. 30 below. You don't understand that here. Because it's 82, 85, something. I came with a thick coat, and as soon as I got off the plane, I was like, I need to take it off. This is California. <laughs> what is wonderful, my, love would, my, my wife would love to live in heat. She's like, like, like a serpent. She loves to stay in the sun. And so... It was minus 30. Minus 30. I want you to imagine I would get in the car and from the apartment building to the car, I could not feel my face, my nose. When I would breathe, my nostrils would stick together. Do you know what I'm talking? So cold. It's like Alaska, something, you know? And it's so cold. And I would get in the car and start the car. And by the time I got to the church, finally the car started to warm up. But, well, I had to stop it and go to pray. And by the time we finished praying, the car was cold again. So by, I started again. And by the time I got home, it was finally warm. I, it was not comfortable. It was sacrifice. If I ask you, to come tomorrow, 6 a.m. here and pray together. How many do you think would come? Because we say, oh, how I love Jesus. Anybody can sing the song. You know, Satan can sing the song. But show me how you love Jesus by sacrifice. If you really love Jesus, you come. And you value him more than sleep. Hello? Uh-huh, you don't love now. 
those ladies old they came to minus 30 at 6 a.m i had a lot of respect for them because for me it was hardship i went oh, it's so cold why don't you do it in the summer and they said pastor tomorrow morning 6 a.m okay and we prayed and we prayed and we decided to pray how long Exactly. I didn't give them 10 uh, days or, or a month. I said, we are going to keep praying and we are going to go before the Lord and humble ourselves and say, we cannot do it. Therefore, we come to you and we are not going to stop. You can kill us. You can send the thunder. You can melt us. You can do whatever you wish. We are not going to move from here. We are going to grab you like Jacob. I'm not going to let you go before you bless me. We are going to grab you and hold on to you and we are not going to leave. Oh, God loves those prayers. Amen. And we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. And two months later, we had 120 in attendance. Wow. Without evangelism, without Bible studies. Bible studies are wonderful, we should. But if you do them without prayer, guess the results. You understand what I am trying to say? We prayed. Those old ladies prayed with me every morning from 6 a.m. Until the church had no more seats. Until every seat was taken. There were no empty seats. Wow. That can happen today. Don't tell me, well, we live in a difficult area. <laughs> and it's very strange. Wherever I go, everybody says they are in a difficult area. Here we have Lutherans, it's difficult. Here we have Baptists, it's difficult. Here we have Methodists, it's difficult. Here we have, uh, you follow me, Catholics, difficult. I said, no, here we have Adventists and it's difficult. <laughs> I'm trying to say that we make it difficult is not difficult for God. Amen. Why do we make it difficult? Why don't we do Bible studies? Why don't we come together and pray? Why do we make it difficult? I tell you why. Either because we are selfish or because we are proud. Mm. Let me explain. Selfish means comfort. I care more for what I want than for what God wants. And proud means, what if I preach or do a Bible study and it doesn't go good? What will they say about me? Who cares what they say about you? Do it. Stop worrying. Did I preach good today? You don't need to preach good. You need to pray good. And so, there is no power without the Holy Spirit. If you want power in your life, and transformation and growth and results. If you want power in your family, if you want power in the church, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus knew that and he says, it's better for you if I go because I'm going to send you the comforter and he is going to lead you in all things. The Holy Spirit, he will lead you in all things. But this is the crazy part. God needs people that are willing to sacrifice self so he could lead them and use them. And the Bible says, very nice, the Bible says, very nice, listen carefully, for the eyes of the Lord range back and forth, left and right, north and east and south and west, through the world, looking to strength, to give strength to those whose hearts are what means fully committed? How much is fully committed? You see, it's easy to commit 50% or 80%. But fully commit, what's going to happen to me? You know? Fully, God cannot. God looks through the earth. 7 billion people. He cannot find one that is fully committed. You understand why don't we have results? Because we go to church and we rather keep Sabbath than to fully commit. 
We should keep Sabbath. But we more than anything else should fully commit. The reason Moses accomplished what he did is because he fully committed. So God could fully control. To the degree that you commit, to that degree God can control and accomplish things in your life and through your life. Fully committed Abraham, fully committed Joseph, fully committed Daniel, fully committed Paul, fully committed Peter, fully committed Ellen White, fully, you follow me? Throughout history there have been people fully committed. Those people have accomplished a lot. Because God can use those people. He says, give me one, one, and I can save the whole nation. Fully committed, fully committed. I'm, uh, I'm thinking, you know, I have plenty of stories, plenty of stories, but... Uh, by the way, all revivals, all, no exception, in my doctoral program I show that all revivals in earth history have happened when one or two have fully committed to prayer for the Holy Spirit. One or two, just one or two, not a hundred, not a thousand, one or two got together and they prayed for the Holy Spirit and they didn't stop. And they moved a city and then a nation and then the whole world. God can take one. I mean, if God can make a donkey talk. You follow me? God can take anybody, literally, regardless age, uh, education, uh, money, social status. God can take anybody because it's not based on you, it's based on him anyway. And if you are fully committed and pray for the Holy Spirit, God can do through you things that you'll never imagine even to pray. It will never grasp your brain to pray for. I mean, God can turn the world upside down. I mean, a hand of disciples turned the world upside down. That's what Spirit of Prophecy says. In 32 years, they turned the whole world upside down. Fully committed. We have good church, good programs, good uh, teachings. And they are good. We do need to preach and to teach. But no commitment. You call them to a work bee, six people show up. <laughs> you understand what I'm trying to say? You called them to a prayer meeting. I am busy, pastor. Sorry. Fully committed. Fully committed. Fully committed. I remember, and you may have heard the story. I had a friend, and after listening to a prayer seminar, he decided that he wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he decided that he wants to be led by the Spirit. And he decided that from now on, every day, he's not going to leave his home before the Holy Spirit takes over. And he says, what's the benefit to leave my home alone? I would rather die. I would rather lose my life and my job and everything else. And he decided every morning to pray until. And he decided, when I leave, I want to be so filled that God can control me and use me. And he did that for a day, for two, for three, and after a couple of weeks or more, a month or so, I don't know the details. He called me and he says, you know, it's a different, totally, entirely different life. Christianity until now didn't make any transformation in my life or my children or my family or anybody around me or my work. Since I started to do that, for some reason, I just say a simple word and children obey. I can sense the presence of the Holy Spirit in my family. I can sense the blessing. I can sense how God protects us from Satan's attacks. I talk to people at work and they listen. I Basically, he started to tell me it is totally different. By the way, there is a quotation, I have it, that says that those who are continually connected feel around them invisible powers working for them. Wow. 
And then a different quotation in Christian service. She says, God sends angels, armies of angels to those that are fully committed and they stay connected. Armies of angels. It's sufficient one for me, but he would send an army. And in a different quotation, he says that unseen powers surround him, surround them, and then he says beautifully, they are surrounded by the atmosphere of heaven. Wow. Can you grasp it? Wow. Fully committed. And he told me, he said, Pavel, I've never experienced that before. I've been an Adventist. I'm a third generation or whatever he said. 20th generation Adventist, that's impossible, but anyway. And he said, I've never experienced that before. I thought the church is when you go to church and you go home and you keep Sabbath and you don't keep pork and you do this and you do that and you know the 2,300 days and night prophecy and the state of the living, not the state of the dead. Okay. And so, <laughs> and so he, he says, it's a different life. It has changed me. And it's changing people that I get in touch with. He said, it's totally different. I said, finally, you are now an Adventist. <laughs> well, he called me back. He says, I was driving on the interstate. It was no, and I was connected. I was not listening to bad news. I was just connected. And he says, I was in God's presence. And God impressed me in my mind. Look to the right. Because lately he talks to me. And he talks. And he walks. And he says, he talks to me. And he impressed me, look to the right. And I looked to the right, and I said to my wife, Honey, I almost said her name and his name, but I'm not supposed to use names. Honey, there is a white bump in the field. She says, the whole field is bumpy and white because it's snow. He says, no, God told me to look right. He went to the no U-turn, no you know, only for emergency cars on the interstate on I-94. He turned on the no U-turn. <laughs> he went to the previous exit, he turned, he came back again, driving slow. And sure enough, far away, far in the field, a white bump. He pulls the car on the shoulder, he pulls the hazard lights, he walks there. An elderly man, you have probably have heard in my sermons, an elderly man in white robe, gray hair, covered with snow, almost frozen in the snow. And he sees here the name and then Alzheimer's. The man probably left nursing home to go home and forgot to go home. And he collapsed and he was snowed over. So my friend took him in his arms. He runs to the SUV. He drives to the closest hospital. And the doctor says, you got here in the last moment. A few minutes later, it would have been too late. You saved his life. So the doctor calls the daughter. The daughter says, I'm so glad you didn't hit him with a car. He says, I could not because he was in the field far away. Was, wasn't he on the interstate? Nope. Then how did he was fallen, snowed over? She says, how did you see him? Because everybody is focused on the road or listening to radio or, or talking. Uh, people are blind to others around and deaf to the voice of the Holy Spirit. How in the world did you see him there if he was far snowed over? He says, well, if I tell you, you not believe. He says, I talked to God and he told me to look right. She was quiet and she says, repeat again. He says, well, this is what I do. And he tells her a little. And she says, I want to join your church. Amen. He says, but you don't know anything about my church. She says, I don't need to. I already know enough. You have God. I don't need anything else. I need a church that God is real. Amen. Think about those words. To walk with God. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. To the degree that he controls your life. That's Christianity. 
And so we are still at the title. We need to make progress. We need to make some, some type of progress. By the way, Jesus, Jesus, when he died and he was resurrected, the women, you remember, went to the grave. You remember? With some oils, spices for the body, you remember? And there was an angel. And the angel says, he is not here. He has been resurrected. And they like, what? I mean, if, if, I, if you go to somebody, uh, you know, uh, when they are home before funeral, how do you call it? Uh, yeah. Yes, if you go there, I, anyway, and they say, he's not here, he was resurrected. <laughs> what do you think? He was resurrected. And they, they are like, I can, I'm trying to imagine, in shock, what? And he says, go and tell, that's what he says? Go and tell, that's what he says? No! He says, come and see. Then go and tell. This is the problem that we have in the church. We want to go and tell without come and see. And to be witness in the court of law, you cannot go there and say, somebody told somebody that told somebody that told me. <laughs> you need to have seen it. There is nothing to give unless you have experience. If you don't have Jesus, you cannot give Jesus. You have not seen Jesus. John says, what we have seen, that's what we tell you. The reason we have no power is because we have not touched Jesus yet. When you touch him, you have a story to tell. When Jesus is touching you, when you see him, you are speechless, you are mute, you start jumping up and down, dancing a holy dance, you are in heaven, you are a different person. When you see Jesus, you either die or you are transformed. But we have not seen him, and we have nothing to tell, and we just try to convince people, and nothing happens. And, he, and, and the angel says, don't go. Don't, don't. Stop trying. Stop trying to change yourself, or to change your spouse, or to change your neighbor. Stop trying. Come and see. And then, after you see, after you experience it, after you are transformed, then go and tell. Like the two demoniacs, after they are touched by Jesus and transformed, they go back and the whole city, when Jesus comes, the whole city comes. Because when you see Jesus, you can, it's like a fire eating you, burning from inside. You cannot keep it. Ellen White says that if you don't have that passion, like a fire burning from inside, she says, though you may have been baptized, you have never been converted. Hmm. How many of you have that fire? It's like, you cannot help me. I, I, I got to tell them. <laughs> you remember the story I tell in the sermons with the big guy in Cuba. How many of you heard the story? The big guy in Cuba. The big, I was preaching, and in the middle of the week, in the back of the room, the room was packed with people on the aisles, at the windows, in the back, packed. And the big guy comes and pushes everybody. He was like a Schwarzenegger. I mean, he was taller than everybody so much. He pushes everybody, and he gets to the door, and he leans against the door, and he looks at me, and I am preaching. And he says, <laughs> almost said, <laughs> and, and, and after I finish preaching, the deacon comes to me while you're singing the Kumbaya or whatever song. The deacon comes to me and says, beautiful songs, I love music. But the deacon says to my ear, Pastor, you need to go to the back door and you need to run. 
do not look behind, do not stop. Run as fast as you can. I said, why? You see that big guy? He's in alcohol, he's in Satan worship, he's in drugs, he hates God, he hates our church. Every time we have an evangelist or a visitor, he beats them. The last one, he beats so bad, he has black eyes. You need to run, go to the hotel, lock the door, run, before he knows, just go. And I said, no, in the Bible it says that we should not be afraid. That God's presence would cast away, God's love would cast away any fear. And if God is with us, if God is with us, armies cannot be against us so what can that poor man do you know he says well don't tell me that I didn't warn you <laughs> he says you may preach nice pastor but I tell you what that guy can beat you really bad I was so courageous when I finished the sermon I go straight to him to shake his hand and when he jumps at me I forgot all my courage <laughs> kind of I ducked you know and I preached in my sermon about not having any joy and any power and any transformation, whatever you do, before you see Jesus. Isaiah saw Jesus and he was totally transformed. Paul saw Jesus on the road to Damascus and he was totally transformed. Zacchaeus saw Jesus and he was totally transformed. Nicodemus saw Jesus under the tree, he was totally transformed. And if you watch the whole Bible, the woman at the well, I could go on and on. All when, you, when they see Jesus, something happens. And the reason things don't happen in our life is because we know about Jesus, but we don't see Jesus. And the reason the Bible says that eternal life is to know him, the, it says there in the side of ages that at the foot of the cross, as you see him and reflect on him and his character, you are transformed without any human effort. The reason we don't experience transformation is because we just don't touch him. You follow me? The woman that touched him, she was healed instantly. And I said, this is what we need. We need to seek him more than water, more than food, more than life. We need to have a thirst, a hunger, a desire for him that would surpass any other desire in our life. Then transformation happens. We need to desire so much that whatever we do, we try and we fall. We don't care that we fail. We don't care that somebody would hurt us. We just get up and keep going because it's like, like chicks follow the, the mother hen, you know, the big chicken. They go left and right and when she says, pak, 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 she it's like program scheduled. Our mind is programmed like a computer to follow him. And whatever you go, you back on track. That's, my, that's the reason I live. That's the goal. That's the goal of my life. I want to touch him. I want to see him. I want to know him. That's what Moses wanted. Let, I want to know you. Let me see you. You follow me? Amen. And so I said, when you see Jesus, you, not only that you are transformed, but people are going to see Jesus in you. Amen. Oh, he has been with Jesus. You follow me? Amen. That's when God starts working not only in you, but through you. That's when you have power. It's not your power. It's God in you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. You follow me? And so, I'm at the door. He jumps at me. I didn't forget the story. Don't worry. <laughs> I just told you what I preached, you know. He jumps at me. I duck. He grabs me. Squeezes me like crazy. I could not even breathe. He's like... <laughs> and he gets me up. My legs in the air. <laughs> 
And the translator says, let him down. He cannot breathe in Spanish. And he drops me down and he jumps at me. I thought he was going to kill me, you know. And he jumps at me and he puts his head on my shoulder and grabs me again and he starts sobbing, crying. I didn't know what to do. I started to pet him on the back. Don't cry. Don't. <laughs> stop. Stop crying. Stop crying. And I said, Tell, ask him what's wrong with him. And the translator says, well, what happened? And he says, I thought I am the macho. You know what macho means? The big one. I thought I am the macho. But tonight, I saw the real macho. And I realized when I saw him that I am nothing. And the more you describe him, the more I could sense my heart warming. And I realized how miserable I am to beat my wife and beat my neighbors and beat the others. How miserable, how miserable I can be. And I need him. Amen. Tell me what to do to experience his presence in my heart. Amen. I said, you already did, buddy. When you see him, it happens. You don't need to do anything except to keep your eyes on him. And as you behold, you are changed from glory to glory by beholding. Isn't that beautiful? What shall I do? Listen carefully to the nonsense question. What shall I do to inherit? You don't do to inherit. You belong. What shall I do to be saved? I told him, you already did, brother. You just need to keep your eyes on Jesus. And he, you cannot. He when you stay connected, he says, I can do all things in He says, don't worry, I got you. And there is no way you can be lost when he gets you. And there is no way you can be saved when you are not with him. Amen. And he's, I love you, brother. I love you. And, well, I don't know you, but I love you too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> He says, but I'm not happy. I'm upset. I'm upset. I said, what happened? Are you sick? No. Why, why, why are you upset? He says, my wife needs to see what I saw tonight. She really needs to see Jesus. She would not believe. I don't know how to preach like you, brother. But I, she needs to see what I saw tonight. I just need, she needs to see it. I said, bring her tomorrow. Well, we live 21 kilometers, 22 kilometers away. We don't have a car. I said, who has a car? Well, brother Jorge has a 1952 Chevy. Oh, wonderful. Can I get a ride? Hey, I said, can you give him a ride tomorrow night? He said, well, I don't have gas. How much does it cost? About 50 cents. Keep here, $5. I want you to drive them every night. Next night he comes with his wife and his children. He says, I'm not happy. Said, What's wrong with you now? He says, well, I have 150 friends that we drink together. <laughs> they, they, it's not fair that I see Jesus and they don't. They need to have a chance. They, I just cannot help. Pastor, they need to see what I saw. This is too good. This, I, I, I feel I'm exploding. He says, they need to see it. I said, well, Brother Jorge certainly cannot put 150 people in... <laughs> Uh, he says, well, Brother Jorge says, may my neighbor drives the city bus. Let's talk to him. He says, oh, it's expensive. How much? It's about $7 for the diesel. Okay, keep 20 Next night, he started to drive at 4 p.m. He did three trips to get them and three trips to bring them back home. And this guy brought all his alcohol friends to see Jesus. Amen. Because when you see Jesus, you cannot help yourself. It's something bigger than you. And if you don't have that passion, it means that you have not seen Jesus. That's the reason the angel says, come and see. 
Then go and tell. Otherwise, you, you have nothing to tell. That's the reason. Jesus says, do not leave. Wait and pray. Do not even attempt to do God's work in human strategies. If you, if you think about it, if you understand the cross, if you see the cross, Ellen White says it would be good for us to spend every day a thoughtful hour reflecting to the last week of Jesus' life. If you understand, if you reflect, if you think about the sacrifice, the more you fix your eyes on what Jesus has done for you and to know him and to be one with him, with his death and his, his resurrection. You remember what Paul says? I want to know him. That's what people of faith have done. When you understand that, you get that intensity and desire to love and to save others that you sacrifice self joyfully. That's Christianity. You have no more desire to live for self. Those who don't have that desire, they should be concerned for their own salvation. Think about it. The disciples, Jesus called them, you are my witnesses. Am I right? But Jesus uses two different times, two different words. One time martus, one time marturo. Mar marturo means witnesses, but martus, and I, I, I need to check the Greek to make sure that I don't tell you nonsense stuff. But anyway, uh, martus doesn't mean witnesses, means martyr. You know what that is? Basically, Jesus says, when you see me, you would be joyfully willing to die for me. Life is not going to be an object that you are concerned with. When you really see me, nothing is too much that you don't sacrifice joyfully. Amen. And the disciples, they knew that they are going to pay with their life. Yet, they could not help. Am I right? Amen. They were willing to lose their life because they are so filled with the good news. That's what happens when you see the cross. When you see, come and see. That's what happens. We did two, actually three, out of 64 slides. That's good. That's progress. <laughs> and then I'm talking about the pioneers. When they, when they suffered the great disappointment, when Jesus didn't come, they, if you went to Maine, how many of you have been there where the rock, the flat rock, when they went outside that night in October 1844 to see Jesus on the cloud. How many of you have been? You need to go there. You are going to learn so much about our history. It's going to change you. I've been there. I have pictures on that rock. They went that night on that rock and they looked to heaven. They sold everything they already and Jesus didn't come. Imagine the disappointment. And, and she says that they started to search again the scriptures, the prophecies and the sanctuary. And she says, when they started to understand the sanctuary, and they started to understand the sacrifice, she says, they were so transformed, she says, that they were ready to sacrifice everything, everything, in order to see Jesus on the clouds. Wow. She says, when they saw the sanctuary, when they saw the cross, they were like, wow! 
talking about the disciples in the upper room. She says, in a different book, different paragraph, she says, when they were disappointed, they were hiding in the upper room and they started to quote, to rehearse, to repeat Jesus' teachings. They started to repeat Jesus' teachings and the prophecies related to Messiah and she says they finally started to understand the cross. And she says, when the disciples understood the cross, they were transformed, they were ready to die for him. The reason we are not ready to sacrifice is because we have not yet seen the cross. She says that's the third angel message. That's the message that is going to, listen, illuminate the whole world. That's the message. Jesus and his sacrifice and his righteousness Amen. is going to illuminate the world, change the world. Amen. And she says that's message is going to be accompanied by the power of the latter rain. We need that. We need that. I don't know what time it is. We, you guys, oh, I went in minus 10 minutes. Shh. When do we finish? Heaven. I'm going to give you an example. Fend Shuyen. Feng Shuyen. Somewhere in Asia. She says, I was praying and studying and I started to understand the cross. And I started to tell, to pray for my neighbors and to tell my neighbors. And the eight people came and you're studying the cross together. And she says, then 20 and then 50 and then 150 people came. And I sold my house because there was no room for everybody. And I purchased a bigger one so 150 people could study the cross. And then more people, and then more people. And they ask her, why are you so effective in reaching others? And they get baptized right away. There is no comments. And she says, because I deeply tested the Lord's love and sacrifice, what the world cannot perceive. I deeply tested the sacrifice. I love him more than life, she says. I am happy to give all, even to die for him, and that would be only a privilege. Wow. Wow. How many of you don't answer, because I don't want you to sin, to lie, would be ready to joyfully die for him? It's easy to say, oh, I'm ready to die for Jesus. But I tell you, if tomorrow you have a challenge and you are ready to lose your job for Jesus, you are not so happy. You follow me? Not life. Just, just job or just freedom or you know. It's easy to say, I love Jesus. But unless you are joyfully ready to sacrifice all. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I We sing that, but we don't do it. Unless you are joyfully ready to sacrifice all. And you say, this is nothing compared to what he has done for me. This is nothing. Well, I, I, I've been in prison. I've been thirsty. I've been angry. And you took care of me. When have we seen you, Jesus? They don't even know because they consider it nothing. They consider they have done nothing. I have done so much more for my Jesus. You follow me? When you see the cross... You do everything and you consider that you have done nothing. When have I done it? I've done nothing for Jesus. Because you would do a lot more if you could. 
when you love your children, you feel that you should have done more. You follow me? When you love Jesus, you feel, I, I, I would like to do more. Uh, who comes for evangelism? Oh, I, I don't know if I have time. Do you love Jesus? <laughs> you follow me? So, so, my brothers and sisters, we, we got to finish. I went 13 minutes and 10 seconds over time. Uh, we'll stop here and continue in the afternoon. Hopefully we can make a little more progress. Another four slides or something. But, <laughs> listen. If you really... Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is on the way. Extremely. Sooner than you think. If you really want to see a difference in your life, if you really want to see a difference in your family, in your church, in the place where you work or go to school or whatever, you will never experience that before you bow down and you say, Lord, I cannot do it. I have tried and I have failed. But you promised to send a comforter. So, Lord, would you fill me with your spirit today? Would you baptize not only me, but my children with your spirit today? Would you baptize, you, would you surround my whole home with your spirit today? Would you so fill me with the Holy Spirit that I no longer live? Lord, I give you my consent. Because you respect my choice. I choose today to give you permission to do, to give you my consent to do whatever you need to do. So I am fully controlled by your spirit. Well, when you do that, don't expect good stuff to happen. If I told you that, I would lie to you. Satan is going to hate you. He doesn't hate you when you go to church. You can go to church and have no clue what the pastor taught you. I've seen people in the church watching the game on their cell phone. I mean it. Yeah. But when you do that, Satan is going to attack you. But listen, there's not a reason to get discouraged. That means if Satan doesn't attack you, you should, be, you should ask what is wrong with you. <laughs> that when you. That's good news when Satan attacks you. And that's the single way to, to be victorious is you just stay connected. Because if God is with you, Satan has no power unless God allows it. And if God allows it, it means you need it. Amen. God says, you can go so far. And Satan cannot cross those boundaries. You follow me? Every day, from now on, Lord, I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you every hour. I need you every day. Don't let me separate. Fill me with your spirit. Fill my family with your spirit. Wherever I go, control me. Lord, here I am. Would you please come into my heart? Into my heart. Come into my heart. Come in today. Come in to stay. We sing it, but it's time to do it. Don't worry. What if I fail? You will fail. Absolutely you will. But God doesn't. So stop worrying about results. Start worrying about connection. None of your business how God does it. Your business, stay connected. His business, to give you victory. Do your job. Don't worry about his. He will do his. You follow me? Pastor, I've been praying for a week and nothing happened. Duh! Prayer is the breath of the soul. I've never heard anybody breathing for a week and then stay alive. 
You need to keep breathing if you want to stay living. Spiritually too. You don't pray for a week. You pray as a lifestyle. You pray always. Pray without ceasing. As you breathe without ceasing. Hello? Don't pray for a week. Don't pray for results. Don't pray for miracles. Pray to stay connected. And let God worry about everything else. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.